God, thanks for tonight. Thanks for bringing us together. Thanks for your uh, kindness on this community. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thanks for showing up in ways that are beyond what we deserve. God, I just ask that in our time as we dive into your word that you would speak, that you would get me out of the way and that your words would flow. That you would capture our heart afresh and new. God, that we literally would return to wonder and awe of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you got your notes, open them up. We're going to dive in as a community. We're going to finish up, and I know I used a little more than 10 minutes on that section, so I must be a little bit quicker than normal. So as, I, as we dive in, I'm not going to do a recap. If you want to do a recap, uh, you can go back and listen to the podcast or video, but I will uh, fill in a couple blanks before we dive in. Uh, we, we're in this series, Return to Wander. The, the anchor verse for us is uh, Colossians 1.27, this reality that Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we've just been unpacking that idea for three weeks and now in our fourth. Uh, it talks about two reasons we tend to lose wonder. The first is uh, we t- have diminished the extraordinary for the ordinary. It just becomes commonplace. We sing things like, Jesus loves me, and maybe you grew up in the church, and things become so common that we fail to realize they're actually holy and amazing. The second reason is we've dismissed the extraordinary for the ordinary. If the first is the problem of familiarity, the second is the problem of unfamiliarity. We just don't even know what we're beholding, and so we're completely unfamiliar with it and have no way to stand in awe. Uh, Tonight we're talking on the wonder of reconciliation as we chart uh, through Colossians. Uh, The word reconcile means to change from hostility to peace, from enmity, there we go, to friendship, the restoration of right and original relationship. A couple weeks ago, or actually it was about a week and a half ago, this idea of reconciliation came to full view. My wife went to Costco on Thursday, and I love Costco. I mean, I just love it with a passion. I, get, I really do get mad at her if she goes without me. Uh, I mean, I don't have to buy anything. I just like walking down the aisles and seeing all the things that could be. I just love seeing all the stuff in the middle, and uh, I don't know. I just love it. I'm sorry. I'm weird. And so we end up at Costco, and if you've ever been to Costco, you know they have the most amazing samples, and I'll, I'll hit those four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, get some for my kids for me, you know, we'll, we'll feed our family for a week out of those things. Uh, but they also have these, uh, this reality of um, kind of these commercials, like infomercials, and I've told some of you this story, so bear with me if you've heard it. Uh, uh, but they have these guys who do these like live infomercials. And there's this guy that was up there that was doing this live infomercial for uh, cookware. And I mean, I felt like he had a group around him. And I felt like as I walked past, I was in an actual like info commercial. And he's like, and can you now believe that it's not just one, not just two, but three, you get this pan too. And I got caught up. I got carried away. And my mind and my mouth 
didn't communicate real well. There was no filter. And, and out loud, Jenny walking next to me as he goes, pan number five is included absolutely free. And I said, Jenny, can you believe it? <laughs> and immediately, I couldn't even look up at him as I heard some chuckles from the crowd. <laughs> and Jenny just shakes her head. <laughs> And we walk away, and she has this some comment about, yeah, it must be so hard to be him. And I, I began to wrestle with that. And I said, you know what? It must be really hard. I can't imagine having to get up and sell cookware. And so he, as I made the first turn, there's like the real strong prompting of the Spirit of God. I needed to go back and apologize to this guy. And I just began to feel this like, it was immediate. I was like, oh man, I'm, I was lame. That was a really jerk move. And by the second corner, I had figured out I don't really need to go back and say I'm sorry to him. I had rationalized it, just say, God, I'm sorry. I'll never see him again. It's not a big deal. It, you know. And yet, as I was walking with my boys, just kind of wandering through, I ended up right back at his station. And no one was there. And I was like, all right, well, God, here we go. And I had my two little boys with me, and I walk up, and I say, hey, man, you, you, you probably didn't hear me. He's like, his first response, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> well, I just want to say that was, a, that was really lame of me. I'm sorry, man. It was, a, it was a really jerk move. And he asks this next question. He says, are you a believer? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, I am. Thanks for asking. He's like, yeah, I, I could tell. No, only believers would come back and apologize, you know. It's like, okay, okay. And we started this conversation, had this cool conversation. His name's John. He's Costco John. And, uh, and then he asked me, he's like, you know, I travel around, and everywhere I go, I, I, um, I like to, you know, go to church, and do you know any good churches? <laughs> well, um, I know this church called Venture <laughs> in Westgate. They're great churches, and I, 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 work, at, I work at a church. <laughs> what's, what's the name of your church? Awake, Awakening Church. Awakening Church. Oh, okay. Well, here's the time. It said, actually, we have a service at 7. I'll be there. Last Sunday night, he came to Awakening Church. John and me and a few others went out. Uh, we've actually been texting uh, and talking back and forth and emailing and whatnot. Here's what's amazing. Here's what's amazing about the wonder of reconciliation. In the moment where I was right there, when I made just that stupid, asinine comment, I, I was his enemy. I mean, not like real evil-wise, but I mean, I was definitely his antagonist. And yet, coming back full circle, I walked away with a friend. See, reconciliation is to change from one of enmity to peace. In fact, there's two prerequisites for reconciliation. The first is that both parties must be willing 
Had I come back and said, I'm sorry to John, and John wasn't, uh, you know, about it, that it wouldn't have happened. It was his grace and giving me what I didn't deserve that allowed for reconciliation to take place. The second prerequisite is this. Restitution must be made. There had to be a payment of some sort. There had to be something given away. When I came back, I was in John's debt because I made a stupid comment. And what restitution he did, he had to give away his right for revenge to extend his hand of friendship. What's interesting is when Paul talks about the wonder of reconciliation, he's not even talking about what the power it is between you and another human being. When Paul talks about the wonder of reconciliation, he's talking about you and God. Check out what Paul says here. Colossians 1.19, he says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. All things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. God, God, the God of the universe says, I am well pleased to allow the fullness of who I am dwell in Jesus, that he is the full representation of me. And the purpose, the purpose behind it was to bring reconciliation, to bring peace between me and humanity, me and creation. The wonder of reconciliation, though it is great in the earthly realm between you, uh, you and I, He says, man, let me tell you, it is amazing. It is wonderful, all striking when it's the God of the universe coming to you. See, what it says is both restitution has to be made. God says, I sent Jesus. It says both parties have to be willing, and God said, I took the initiative. Now, here's, here's the funny part for me. All week, I've wrestled with this. I've been studying this passage for a couple weeks, and it, it just like, it's one of those times where it just didn't come together, and I'm just wrestling and wrestling and wrestling, and I realized something. I realized that for whatever reason, that concept of being reconciled to God it didn't captivate my heart the way it should. I wasn't wrecked with wonder. I wasn't just like sat and just went, oh my God. And I wrestled it, and yesterday I had a long drive home from San Luis Obispo. Jay and I were at a precious, precious funeral celebration of the life of Christina Gow in our community. And it finally dawned on me It finally dawned on me why this amazing truth didn't grip my heart. And here's why. I haven't embraced that I'm part, or actually the problem. I just, honestly, I, I never embraced I'm the problem. Notice what it says in Colossians 1.21. It talks about our previous state for those of us who are in Christ. It says, once you were alienated from God 
separated, literally a stranger to God, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. And here's the reason that I think maybe you struggle with this concept of standing in all too. I don't, I don't want to put it on you, but at least me. Here's the reason is I often view myself as a mistaker and not a sinner. I often view myself and go, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. I'm not that bad of a person. And the reason is, is I compare myself to those around me and not necessarily to God. And he says, your thoughts and your actions created enmity between me and you, and I'm like, really, really, it's not, really not, it's not that even big of an enmity, come on, God, I, I haven't killed anybody. It reminded me of um, a few years back, we did this relationship series called Barbie and Ken, and the fate of the human world, or something like that, and the fate of, I don't know, fate of, I don't know, something fate and humanity, and somewhere in there. And in that, uh, one night I got up and said, I said, hey, guess what? Next week my wife's going to come. She's going to do Q&A. It's going to be amazing because I have the most amazing wife on the planet. And, and so I, I come home and I'm excited to share. Man, this series is going great. We're doing, I mean, people are coming and it's just a, an amazing series and God's showing up and I'm, I'm fueled, I'm pumped. And I tell Jenny, I go, Jenny, hey, guess what? Man, this is really going. And guess what? Next week... Next week, you're going to come and you're going to share. And she's like, what? Now, my wife, as, as amazing she is in person, she hates to be up on stage. I mean, like, it, it, it causes, it's stressful for her. And she's like, Ryan, you didn't ask me. Yeah, 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 I, I know, but I, I, it, it's okay, you know. I, I've already told everyone, you have to do it now. Let me tell you, <laughs> there's two things that were back-to-back -back that in that moment, as I'm teaching a relationship series, became one of the biggest uh, fights that we've ever had in our marriage. I mean, we were just, and in my head, here, here's how I was thinking about it. Jenny, it's no big deal. And I, I just kept rationalizing my behavior and going, come on, you can do this. When in reality, what I had done is violated her trust. See, I think sometimes we miss out on the wonder of the awe of reconciliation that God says, I have reconciled you to me. When you were strangers and enemies, I sought you out because we say it's no big deals. We rather say we're mistakers and not sinners. See, a mistake is making an error in your checkbook. Adultery is a sin. Lust is a sin. And the Bible says that separates in fact, Colossians 3, right now, in my Bible, it's on the same, uh, across the page. This is what it says. It's talking about those mistakers who, that would now put themselves in the place of sinners. It says this, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, Evil desires. Anybody ever had an evil desire? We're not talking about, you know, like evil action. We're just talking about desires. You ever had a bad desire? He's saying, that's it. 
part of the club. Because these, because of those, because of that desire, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things. Anger, anybody ever been anger? angry? Any? Okay, good. I'm good. Yeah. I get angry earlier today with my kids, and it was not righteous anger. It was just frustration. Rage, malice, slander, anybody talk bad about anybody? Filthy language, anybody use filthy language? Do not lie, do anybody lie? Any, any, yep, yep. See, see the problem is if we would begin to embrace and realize that our state before a holy and just God is that we are strangers. deserving of his wrath. We're not mistakers, we're sinners. See, all of a sudden, that brings reconciliation for me into a whole new light and a whole new reality. Because then it goes on to say this, the problem is our previous state, the solution is our present standing for those who are in Christ. It says, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. There's some amazing things, and I think it might be on the back of your, your notes there, that results from reconciliation. This is really theological. This is a theological doctrine, the doctrine of reconciliation. This is what's currently true of those who are in Christ, not how you feel about it, but what is actually true as a result of what Christ did, not what you've done. First result is the removal of hostility between you and God. Letter, uh, number A, letter A, whatever. <laughs> removal of enmity between you and God. It's gone. Wiped away. Removal of sin, guilt, and shame. Corinthians says this, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. He says, no longer are you under the covering of guilt. No longer are you under the covering of shame. No longer are you under the covering of sin. Your identity is now in Christ. The removal of condemnations, Romans 8.1 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Jesus. It's not only the removal of hostility, it's the restoration of relationship. What's that mean is once you are an enemy, now you have peace with God. Once you are a stranger, now you are an adopted son or daughter of the king. You have been brought into the family of Christ. You are co-heirs, a son or daughter. Once you are separated, alienated, now you have full access to God. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us draw near to the throne of grace to find mercy in our time of need. That you have full access to God. That Not only that, you have full access, but he says, it's Christ, Christ, Jesus in you. The hope of glory. The removal of hostility is the restoration of relationship. And then this is a theological term. I want you, I put it in here because I wanted you to know it and understand it. You now have the imputed righteousness of Christ. What this term means, the imputed righteousness of Christ, is literally that your present standing for God is that you are clothed or covered with Christ. 
that when God looks at you, he doesn't see you, he sees his son. When God looks at you, he doesn't see all the things that you've done, he sees Jesus. You have the imputed covering, the righteousness of Christ, that you are holy in God's sight, that you're pure and blameless, covered by Christ. This is absolutely true for those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter how you feel about him. See, feelings lie, don't they? They give you an accurate barometer for how you're doing. They're a terrible indicator for the truth. Some of you have been buying into the lie that you're not worthy and living out that lie. And when he said, you're worthy, I died for you. You're my son and daughter. Some of you have been buying into the lie that that God is out to get you and against you. And he says, by my son, I've created peace. Some of you walk around with a whole lot of guilt and shame. And anytime you do something bad, you're constantly beating yourself up over the head. And he says, there is no more guilt, no more shame. You're covered in Christ. That would have been a great place for an amen, by the way. I just thought I'd let you know. When Jesus on the cross declared it was finished, this is what he meant for you. It is done. The work has been accomplished, and your reconciliation is not based on what you can do, but based on what he did. You, God says, I am reconciling you to me. Remember, there's two prerequisites for reconciliation. Remember that? Both parties must be willing. God made the initiative. So it lands in your court what you'll do with it. Restitution must be made. Jesus said, I got that covered. If you'll just come. There's one grand invitation of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5 says this. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, and circle this, the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. And he committed to us, and circle this, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore, Christ, circle this, ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And here's what I'd say. If you in this room are followers of Jesus, the grand invitation of you as he says, I have given you the ministry of reconciliation. You hold the message. And it's the ministry plus the message equals you are now my ambassador. As if this great and glorious thing, this thing that should so captivate our hearts when we realize what happened, the transfer that happened in our lives when we once were part of the kingdom of darkness, when we once were enemies of God, and he said, I'm going to make a way, and I transfer you into the kingdom of the Son he loves. That reality should so grip us that our lives are literally making the appeal to the world. And we carry with us the message of reconciliation. An invitation for us 
we would be followers of Christ is that we'd be so wrecked by the wonder of this reality that we would be his ambassador. And if you do not yet know the love of Jesus, Paul goes on, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. I implore you, I implore you tonight in this moment, if you've never heard the reality that the God of the universe is not out to get you, in fact, he loves you. Uh, here's what I love. Uh, William Barclay, theologian, says this, the cross is the proof that there are no lengths to which God would refuse to go in order to win human hearts. I implore you, tonight in this moment, you can move from enmity to peace, from hostility to relationship, and experience the love of God. He says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We're going to take communion as a community. I think that's the only proper response to this. As we do, I want to do it a little differently, and you'll notice in your bulletin, and I believe it's, there's a bulletin up there, so you don't need to bring yours. But I want us to speak this truth over because here's what I know. We often buy into lies that are not true and we got to begin to speak the truth of the reality of who we are in Christ and begin to live that reality out. And so as you take communion, go up and go ahead and take it and one person is going to read to you this statement over you. You have been reconciled with God. You have peace with God. You are forgiven. You are holy and pure because you have been covered by Christ. And that you would read that and then you would turn after you take it and read that and we just do that in community and we'd begin to read and pass it along and speak the truth of this reality, the wonder of the reality of the reconciliation of God. Not that we could do anything but that he did everything that he took the initiative, he paid the way. I invite you that if you don't know Christ and just made a thing, this series, we wanted to give an opportunity every single time we taught to give you um, the ability to, to respond. And as the band comes up, I just want to pray with you guys. And if you're in this place and you would like to experience the reconciliation of God, would you just pray after me? And just go ahead, everybody. Eyes closed. God, I admit I'm a sinner and I desperately need you. I put my trust in Jesus and the work of the cross. to be reconciled to you. In this moment, I receive your peace in my life. Would you come in and be in me what I cannot be on myself? Give me new life.
And just every eye bowed. I, just if you prayed that prayer, if that's where you're at, and if you would just raise your hand. Amen. God, thank you for new life in you. Thank you that you took the initiative, that you paid the way. May we walk in the reality of who we are. In Jesus' name, amen.